She didn't know what she meant by that. Women are like trees, she said again, and then planted herself in her bed and waited. And I stood in the middle of her room and I looked at her, as if looking out the window at her, seeing all the years she has spent gathering rings around her hips, stretching out sex like a cat towards the sun. And I heard the wind rubbing the leaves together, rubbing the leaves like bodies soft and open. There was time for the leaves yet while my tongue picked ants off her branches. And the young bird in her nest of hair called to its mother. The young bird in her nest of hair hungry for another wet meal. While beneath us, along her feet, the children played hide and seek. The wind was blowing harder now as the strongest leaves let go and brushed against their bare feet. 
and women are like trees, she said, <clears throat> as her strongest leaves let go, and all was weakness, necessary weakness. And women are like trees, whispered, as the axe cut into her middle. Women are like trees, whispered, as the sap flowed into the womb. Women are like trees, she whispered, as the wind swayed her back and forth along the weakness. As her branches bent down to dip into the water, as her strongest leaves lay crumpled under the joy of the children. Whispered, as the young bird in her nest of hair cried out its new wet wings and called to its mother that it would find a meal of its own.
like the kind of guy that. Oh, oh, he's a pirate. Yeah, that's no. what I said. He's that's a Rips and mass and social fabrics collapsing. The wind blows upon an ember that's everlasting. We're standing at the crossroads clashing. Food, the greatest strategy used in the ongoing battling. The shit got us asking what the planetary plan is while we jamming and deeply examine. Why is there famine? Families stammering for nourishment while elite seats play populations like a game of backgammon. The scandling is endless. They throw in peace on a threat list. Poverty's causing death threats. Yo, are you deaf yet? Well, get set. Concentrated camps that ain't quite dead yet. Welcome to the woods, blood redneck. Becoming POWs through high-tech credit checks. Get the catch? Some serious shit, yes. So ingest, digest, and keep all eyes open. And don't forget the scrolls that kept the part apart in oceans. Cause when these motionless minds hit rhythm, focus with timeless vision. Omens and signs are given in this tumultuous time we live in. Open the sky's the limit, forces combine, we bring it. So much the wine, we sip it. Moments arrive, so live it.
sworn you were talking about me. So I told you the truth. If I were that man, I know he'd do anything he could if it would get him back. It's time you realize to go back across the great Behind the clothes that cover me aches a heart that forgets the sea. I think whatever friends there be, trusting when I'd otherwise flee. In the strong clutch of weight and bone, oh how I cried and wailed alone. But the pains of time turned to stone, and I to carry on and roam. It matters not the things you say, nor how you choose to do your way. It's how you make one feel today, for we to mold and turn to clay.
reminds me. Of a line by a friend of mine in the, in the Bay Area called Midnight Midnight Ice. He said, uh, he said he's 19. He's a young guy. He says the spoken word movement is not a movement. It's a soundtrack to the movement. And that's that movement we're all about right now. I call the worldwide insurrection coming. There are bees and trees and squirrels and things and people playing frisbee in the park. There's hurt and heartache and uncertainty and finding your way in the dark. On these sunny days, with the wind rushing past and emerald green leaves in your face, it's undeniable the joy we feel by just running in this strange human race. Oh, but it's not like that, my big family, because despite what you are told, life's not a question of competition or what's been bought or sold. Instead, I'd say it's a miasma of memories new and old, of sweet stolen looks and babbling brooks, of flecks of silver and gold. Yes, it's these moments we collect and truly live in that matter most overall. At your haircut or that wing knot, or who can rise most tall? So be in it, because what else to do? I say you won't regret taking the time to truly live, because that's something we all forget.
So um, this book is called The Mysticism of Sound and Music, and it's by a, a famous old Indian philosopher. And the chapter that I've been Excuse reading me. is um, called The Magnetism of Beans and Objects. And this first passage really resonates to me because I've been eating so much wonderful food over the past days. And it's uh, personally, it's, it really hits on how I feel about cooking. In preparing a thing, not one not only puts one's magnetism into it, but the voice of one's soul is produced in the thing one prepares. For instance, it is not difficult for an intuitive person to feel in the food that comes before him the thoughts of the cook. It is not only the grade of evolution of the cook that is produced in it, but also what the cook was thinking at that particular time. If the cook is irritated while cooking, if he or she is grumbling or sighing, if he or she is miserable, wretched, all that is prepared in the food that comes before you 
It is the knowledge of this fact which made the Hindus accept a high caste Brahmin as a cook. That person was taken as a cook whose evolution was great, whose life was pure, whose thoughts were elevated. It is not a custom of the past, it is a custom even of today. The Brahmin who is sometimes the guru, the teacher of other castes, may also be the cook. Beside this, in ancient times, when human psychology was keenly observed in all one did, every person, whatever his rank or position in life, was equipped for cooking and preparing dishes for himself and for his friends. A great mark of appreciation and affection was shown by people who invited some relations or friends to their house by placing before them dishes that they themselves had prepared. It was not the dish, it was the thought that was put into it.
Welcome again to Muddy Boots. My name is Triangular Donut Tenali, and you've just heard the A-side of Totally High Holy Rainbow-Colored Spirit Hawk of Awakened Manifestation, Part 7. We're exploring my collection of field recordings made at Rainbow Gatherings over the last 20 years or so. For a playlist and notes, check out muddybootsradio.org, and be sure to subscribe to the show, too, wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to and or download more Rainbow Gathering field recordings at soundsfromtherainbow.org. You can find previous installments of this Rainbow Thematic Series, Parts 1 through 7, at either muddybootsradio.org or soundsfromtherainbow.org slash podcasts. I invite you to continue wandering the trail of sound by hopping on over to the B-side. See you there. Yeah, cartwheels. We need to do cartwheels. But I want to get out of here, but I just think we should um, we should all try to just be uh, more honest and caring. You know, we learned to lie. I'm dating. I'm dating. I'm single. Anybody here single? Yeah. Yeah. It's tough, man. Because we lie. We do. Men and women, brothers and sisters, we lie to each other. I noticed we lie in different ways. <laughs> I asked this woman out the other day, recently. I said, would you like to go on a date? And she's like, okay, but I don't want this to be a date date. <laughs> a date date date. I don't know. Maybe a date to the fourth power. How does it work? I don't know. I went on a date. I figured it out. Basically, no date date translated to, I was paying for dinner, but I'm not getting any kissing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But you got to translate differently for men and women because we lie differently. I'll give you some examples. For example, if a sister says, I'm sorry, I have a boyfriend. This means, and you're not attractive enough to risk losing him. (laughs) 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 On the other hand, if a brother says, I'm sorry, I have a girlfriend. This means, and she's right over there by the fire. (laughs) 
Alright, we're doing the hug center, so let's nail this. I know this area really well. nests in a wound woven web one of suppressed unexpressed and relentless ebbs in the flow of the mind it lifts while sitting it drifts while gripping the toe tipping of time in the night lid blinded eyes perceive dream scenes they follow unconscious strings they unravel the most revealing order of things. Raffle drawing retrieves, slipped up the sleeve, leaves limitless winning possibilities for the million memories that all start shape-shifting when you're sleep lost and drifting and shifting in and out of limitless unpredictability sneaking beneath the restrictions of time and space and laughing at the definition between any which place. We are the glimmer and the gleam. We are the scissors and the seam. We play things. We can be anything. We can be the twinkle of eyes or the smile on your face. We can be the last trace of the chalk hopscotch that the rains never seem to erase. We are the color of bubbles and the shape of stars. We can be created out of whatever have you, 
and wherever it happens that you are. And so you see, my human dream beings, the answer is not something which can be explained or seen. The answer is always what you make believe.
we're going to do a little story. This is a participation story. It's called The Good Heart of Thunderpants. You have to have to help me do it. It's a peace story. So there's some sound effects in it. You're going to help me do all the sound effects. First sound effect is we hope nobody's actually doing this, but maybe somebody can. Somebody just about to go off to sleep. Hear that? Next sound effect is somebody sucking on a magic pacifier. Hear that? Good. That's good. Now, next sound effect, we all have to be very serious actors and actresses to do this one. We know for a fact that there are hungry people in the world today. Fairly hungry children, some of whom have not eaten. So they're weak and they're softly, softly crying themselves to sleep. So it sounds like this. That. Very good. Next thing is pacifier. Swing out your hands, flying across the sky. Ready? Come on. Swooping down with your cape. On the count of three, the audience participation part. Great feast celebration and party as loud as you wish. One, two, three. Other kids seriously now crying in a nearby land. Pacifier. Flying over to see what the trouble is. The next one, golding. No, no, no. Ready? No, no, no. You can do that a little louder. No, no, no. That's good. Next thing is bye-bye. Pacifier. Gathering up stars. Throwing them like frisbees. Sticking one in the corner. Pacifier. Going off to sleep. And the very last one of this story, three beats of the heart. Ready? Bum, 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 bum. Okay, here we go. Hey guys, I know a girl whose nickname is Thunderpants because she has lightning bolt stickers on the side of her diaper. <laughs> hey Thunderpants, what are you doing? I'm practicing to grow bigger. Well, as you can see, Thunderpants is one of the smartest girls in the whole world. Not only is she smart, she's good-hearted, which may explain why she was chosen to get a magic pacifier. Well, anyway, one night when she was sucking on her pacifier, just about to go off to sleep. He heard the faint weeping of little children on the other side of the earth. Aww. Why are they crying, Thunderpants? They're crying because they're hungry and don't have enough to eat. And so, with the aid of her pacifier, Thunderpants flew across the sky. While she was flying, she thought there was lots of extra food everywhere, so she swooped down with her cape. Mm. Now, with a great feast, celebration, and party. Even while they were feasting and celebrating, she heard some other kids crying in a nearby land. Faster than anything, she flew over to see what the trouble was. Now, when she got there, the kids told her why they were crying was because the parents, the adults, had gotten into a war and were fighting and squabbling over land and other possessions. And so, Thunderpants gathered the warring adults together, scolded them for not learning to share and love one another like they were always telling the kids to do. No, no, no! And they were so ashamed of themselves, they dug a great big deep hole, pushed all their bombs, bombs guns, and tanks in there, covered them over with dirt, and made peace. Great peace celebration. Now they came to Thunderpants, and they said, Thunderpants, you're our hero. And she smiled, she said, I'm not your hero, I'm your shero. Yeah! All the feminists in the audience. Now, feeding the hun hungry and stopping wars was tiring work, so she said goodbye to her new friends. Bye. <laughs> Stuck her pacifier in her mouth. Zoomed across the night sky. <laughs> Gathered up stars and threw them like frisbees. 
down to each house below so that every kid could have a nightlight. Then she zoomed into her room, <laughs> tucked the one star she saved herself in the corner, stuck her pacifier in her mouth, slipped into a dream, Aww. filled with all the good deeds she was going to do with her magic pacifier, and with her good heart, bum, 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 bum. which is, after all, the most potent magic of all. Yeah. 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 How about a song about positive people standing up, holding hands together, singing songs and saving the land? A woman came up to me after a show in Eugene, Oregon last year. She told me if you look at a map of Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky, it looks like the moon. If you look on Google Maps, because they've blown the tops off of so many mountains to extract the coal. So she asked me if I'd write a song for it, and that's what this song is. There's a place not far from here, just the ways I've been to hills, where the folks face to live that old time way. Where mama cleans the kitchen, and daddy cleans the deer, and music is the game all the children love to play.
We like the silence in the morning. The sky, the eagle soars in. If we cut down all his trees, then he's got nowhere to land. And if we blow up all his trees, he's got nowhere to The asking is the bigger knowledge fated to appear in circles, spirals, ghosts of former understandings. Jokes that fall flat because you've had to have seen them. Oh, my urn of ashes for those questions. Feed my smile with your faded glory. Leave a clue for future researchers to find. Bye. 
They say laughter is the best medicine. Where's your stance on recreation? <laughs> cool. Thanks for that thought. Thanks for that thought. Appreciate that. Love you. Loving you. Yeah, love you too. Love you a lot. World peace. Everybody together. World peace. One, two, three. gathering. What's it all about? And so I just turn them and say, go to the Unitarians and turn left. Now some of you might remember this song from the Missouri <laughs> gathering and please join in. Just a couple of lines. Help the kids sing, right?
if you know the kind of person I am, and I don't know the kind of person you are, a pattern that others have made may prevail in the world, and following our wrong God home we may miss our star. For there is many a small betrayal in the mind, a shrug that lets the fragile sequence break, sending with shouts the horrible errors of childhood out to storm through the broken dike. And as elephants parade, holding each elephant's tail, but if one wanders, the circus won't find the park. I call it cruel and perhaps the root of all cruelty to know what occurs but not recognize the fact. And so I appeal to a voice, something shadowy, a remote important region in all who talk. Though we could fool each other, let us reconsider, for the parade of our mutual lives may be lost in the dark. The messages we give, yes or no or maybe, should be clear. The darkness around us is deep.
Watch a full-length movie on YouTube. Welcome to L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hey, Mike. Uh, (laughs) Thanks for having me on. People listening to audio won't get this thing. Having me on, you are. Oh, yes, right, right. I know. I'm glad to be here as your co-host again. Thank you oh. very much, Mike Spiegelman. I am it, this Mike Spiegelman and Carl. And let me just hog up some time. Don't forget to donate to Mutiny Radio. Absolutely, we are rec- actually streaming right now on Mutiny Radio, and we stream first every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We're out from San Francisco. And you can find us uh, at our podcast at L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T and our YouTube channel with video right now, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. But donate to Mutiny Radio. Go to Venmo and give them some money at Mutiny Radio. The website is mutinyradio.fm. There's another donation button. And you can listen to all the great shows and read about the live comedy here at Mutiny Radio. We're on Mini Radio, Carl. We watch a full-length movie every week on YouTube. Uh, great premise. Great premise, right? Do we rip along as the movie goes? Yes. Yeah, so I built these robots because I am uh, lost in space and I'm forced to watch bad movies. Yeah, and you know that show, Mystery Science Theater 3? Th- yeah, it's nothing like that. Yeah. Nothing like it's that. No, nothing no, 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 no. like that. 
Carl, what movie are we watching today? Today we are watching as time goes by 1988 as time goes as by time 1988 goes by how can you yes. say that title without hearing the that song from Casablanca well, look that's true absolutely and look everyone at home who's going to watch this movie w with us you must remember this it's go as time goes by 1988 the channel we like is it's all one word so it it's not friendly to your eye, but it's Hey Do Radio. Hey Do Radio. H How do you spell Do? D-O-E. All right. Hey Do Radio is hosting As Time Goes By from 1988. Yes. A, a current movie for us. A 1988. Yeah. Type in As Time Goes By 1988. You'll find the link courtesy of Hey Do, D-O-E Radio. Click it. Hit pause. Move it back to 000. When you hear go, we're all going to hit play, and we're going to watch this movie on YouTube together. So you could listen to us streaming live and watching the YouTube channel right now live. You can listen to the podcast and DIY it at your own convenience, or just go to the YouTube channel, and Carl already synced it for you. Right. Carl, Best I'm really choice. excited that there's a celebrity comedian to do our countdown for our yeah. movie. Take it yeah. away, Carl. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Comedian Countdown, this time with Scott! Welcome, Scott! How are you doing? All right. Now, Scott, you are a comedian out there on the scene. I'm seeing you come up. We're coming up together. Seeing you at open mics. I'm seeing you at shows. The first thing I want to ask is you've only got one name. This is very peculiar just to go by Scott. How did that start? How did you make that change? You know what? I am not really sure, but there was a great comedian that I used to watch when I did the stand-up comedy. His name he went by Carl. So <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if that stuck or I just uh, came up with it on my own. I really mm -hmm. don't know. It well, it's a very interesting concept. It's almost unheard of. This is the first time I ever bumped into it. So kudos to you. It's a very common name, Scott, and you'll distinguish yourself by not having a last name. It's a good idea. Or from the best. Now, the second thing I wanted to bring up is your material, okay? You are very wife-centric, very wife-centric, and it's not in a positive light. So how <laughs> do you really arrive at this from a life frustration? Is she in the room? And how does this play out in your personal life with her? Well, she's not too far. I believe she might be in the shower, so... I'm safe for at least a couple minutes. Um, well, you know what? Obviously, everything I say is not 100% true, but she definitely gives me this, the, the springboard to uh, make those jokes, and continuously, I might add, day to day. <laughs> always so, new material? Uh, always giving me new material. <laughs> For sure. Tell me more, sure. though. Does she is she aware of this? Is it on her radar? How does she feel about it? Has she seen you do wife jokes? Yes, and she um, she came actually the one time I actually took the uh, comedy class at uh, Scotty's, and um, she did come to the graduation, and that was about the last time. Um, she she doesn't particularly care for me doing wife jokes, and I explained to her that it's not a hundred percent about her and. When I do tell her jokes, she goes, that's not how it happened. I said, exactly. I said, because <laughs> I, I take the story and then I switch it around a little. 
little bit. Right. Um, but still not really happy because she's like, well, people don't know what the real story is. And I said, well, most people don't even really know me or you, but that answer <laughs> is good enough. Well, you know, I had the same thing with my wife. Now, I'm not like you in terms of it being like a uh, part of your persona, practically, you know, but I do have many wife jokes and they're not favorable. So I made up a fake name. Her name is Cynthia when I'm on stage. So it's a fake name. Have you thought of something like that? Namer? Gladys? I did. No, but you know what? Here's the truth of the matter. I would really like to get away from wife jokes. It just, it just seems so easy because it's so there. But I do feel uh -huh. this, especially for like starting comedians. When you have something that's so easy, because comedy is all about timing and being able to get up there and speak comfortably. And that is like the easiest thing for me to do. So maybe in time, I will move away, which I am actually trying to do as we speak. So but okay. they just keep popping into my head as <laughs> the days go on. So we'll see what happens. Well, you got to write from what you know, and you're certainly doing that. That is for sure. Now, exactly. let you... You are a very fresh comedian, new comedian. I mean, you're taking the class. Maybe we're talking about two years here, something like that. What do you? I, I took How long the class? And it was it was two years, three months. Uh, three years, three months. It was October when I first started. Then I took a complete year off uh, during a pandemic. Wasn't allowed out of the house, more or less. Gotcha. But um, yes. So, um, so so we'll say a little bit over two years with a long now, break. Very different than other comedians and this is one thing that distinguishes you you have a catchphrase already after such a short time get the fuck out yes. of here now this is very italian but i don't think you're italian i'm not um i, I grew up in bayonne and i went to college in staten island in staten italy so very italian four years there so um you just soak so, it know, up I, I, Exactly. So I always had, and people always thought I was Italian. So, and Italian people are cool, you know. So, you know, there's not many cool <laughs> Jewish people walking around. So, um, <laughs> so uh, you know, and, and it wasn't even to try to be Italian. It was just, it was just, I started doing stuff. And like I said, things just come into my head. Um, mm -hmm. And like, I'll, I'll take, I'll go from one bit to the next because something will pop into my head and it kind of just, Things just fall into my lap, actually. So that kind of, you know, fell into my lap. That, yeah. And then how people liked it and started saying it. So it kind of worked. Yeah, that's how you end every set. Exactly. Time for me to... Let me hear you right. say it. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> now, that's what happened was actually, I didn't even try to do it. Like people, because I would say it in my bits, and then people started saying, get the fuck out of here. And then when they started saying that, that's when I was like, you know what? I'll end it in my bit. Yeah, that's perfect. Very good. Very crafty. Okay, now, Scott, everyone at home is poised to watch this movie with us, so everyone at home has got to press play at the exact same time that we do here in the studio. That's what you're here for, Scott. So why don't you go ahead, Scott, and give us that celebrity comedian countdown. Three, two, one, go. Thank you, Celebrity Comedian Countdown. I appreciate that. I haven't listened to it, but Carl, you do all the hard, heavy lifting here. 
Yeah. Speaking of heavy lifting. I'm sure it's very good. I just haven't recorded it yet. (laughs) Now, in truth, I found there's a character in here named Connie, and there's a woman on Facebook with the, the actress's name. So I reached out to her to see if she would do the countdown. We'll see. Oh, that's exciting. So maybe we just heard that interview. Yes, I know, right? Right. We don't know. Only the audience knows. They know better than us. Ah, Marcel. Marcel Schmitz. And she's going to play a woman named Connie in this film. And it's a pretty important role. And so I reached out to her and I was like, Hi, my name's Carolyn. Do podcast? I have a podcast. That's like a radio. (laughs) It's like a radio station, but you bypass all the professionalism. (laughs) We went long if you would do a thing. I don't know. It looks like she's doing well. She's very much into horses. She's clearly there still in Australia. Smith. A lot of politics. Sounds good. Now, not this a lot. Not a lot. You know, when I was in high school, I had a part-time job collecting skulls in the Outback. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's not Out- Outback restaurant, money. not Australia. When you live at home with your parents, it's okay that it's not good money, and you do get good tips, you know. And so the neighborhood appreciates, because otherwise the skulls just pile up. <laughs> I I used to bury them in our backyard, but the dog kept doing skullduggery, and he would oh, find skullduggery, them. the worst kind of skullduggery. He would find them, digging them up. Okay, as you can guess, we're in the Australian outback, and as you look at the locations in this film, it's Australia, 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 and then they film this one scene in Australia. So Broken Hill is what we're looking at, I believe, New South Wales, Australia. They're going to be in a studio in Melbourne. Um, There's a town called Silverton that was apparently in Mad Max 2. They'll be there. Mad Max coming, Mike. Look, from the sky, something's coming. Is it a diner? No, it's low-budget effects. Yes, it is a diner, Mike. You know this? Just from the movie poster. This movie just cries. Here's a movie poster. Now we got to run and get the premise ready, right? Because it's... Something's going to fling off the ship. See this important? Yes. Yeah, this is the thing that, like, powers the ship. It's going to fling off. Is he? He's not going to go and touch it and then goo gets on him, is he? He can't go. T- no, no, no. That's not going to happen. Oh, look at that. Boom. Look at these Walk bad out. effects. It's a fireworks. It's fireworks. Another spirit Halloween store opened up. <laughs> we got some spotlights out. Yeah. Okay, no. More bad effects are coming. More special bad effects. Okay, I'm on there. A diner has landed, and now it just starts randomly blowing up with fireworks. Oh, that's uh, Pucus Arts, I believe, uh, (laughs) did the uh, special effects. Yeah, they did the Beatles, Rolls Royce, and they did, they were a collective, and they did this crap. Oh, man. So I always think of... uh... Texas Chainsaw Massacre, every time I see teens in a band. doesn't matter what country. You know, I never saw that. Of course, I saw Egghead. What was it called? Egghead? Oh, Eggshells. Toby Egg Hooper's previous film. Yeah, More that Hardy. was really fun. We did that on this show. You wow. know, there's just a bunch of teens in a van, and they see some guy, and they condescend to him. and they, Oh, they pick up a hitchhiker. That's the classic horror. Yeah, game. that's right. They pick up a hitchhiker. Now, these are three teens in a van, or maybe 20s, I don't know, but they're Australian. That's the difference. Right. And Mike, Mike is sitting there in the driver's seat. 
And he has brought him all this way to go to the Inland Sea. And that's a funny Australian joke because it's a dried up seabed that used to be in the center of, you know, so it's the Inland Sea. So as soon as Grouchy finds out, see, this is Grouchy in the front seat. And that's right. Cheryl. Cheryl is a hippie and she's having past life experiences. And uh, Grouchy's just grouchy. So he's like, if there's no such thing as the endless sea, fuck this thing. And she kicks Mike out. Now, so this is the movie poster that I saw. Mike is a surfer with a surfboard. And the mm -hmm. movie poster I saw is the Outback. And there's a surfer with a surfboard, which is crazy. crazy. The Outback. And talk about crazy. There was a 1940s diner on the poster. That's all I know about that this That is movie. crazy. So this is pretty crazy, Carl. Walking around with your surfboard in the outback. Yeah, speaking of the surfboard, here it comes. Now, in truth, we will only see about two seconds of surfing in this film. Does he put it down or something? Like he goes in the diner and puts down a surfboard? The surfboard is not really going to play into this movie the way the poster implies. I think they were just trying to show you a joke. Right. That a you contrast. can't surf in the desert. Yeah. Okay, so Mike, you see, Mike is on his way there because he got a note. He got a note like 20 years ago that said, meet uh, Joe Bogart at this address, at this location, you know, in 20 years. It's this crazy thing. So he's got his note and he's doing what he was, you know, he's going to go meet this stranger. Okay, so uh, that's cool that you pointed that out because I just thought that ladies just kicked him out of the van and he's astray, but he's actually going to a location. Right. He needed a ride there, so he tricked Grouchy uh, into going Cheryl. to the Inland Sea. Well, Cheryl is in the back seat, and Cheryl's uh, the hippie chick. Okay, if you don't want me to call her Grouchy, her name is... You can call her Grouchy. She was, you know... Uh, her name in the film is Marjorie, and she's an actress named Christine Coeg. She's really Irish, and she's only got three credits. Her 1994 was her last credit. But throughout this movie, she just is grouchy, I'm telling you. Now, isn't it ironic that you're sunbathing in the outback <laughs> with your San Francisco yeah. hat? When the car comes, right. When the car comes, turn up the sound. His okay. hat says San Francisco. Yeah, that's uh, the Niners, right? Or, oh, okay. okay. I, I get the teams mixed up. Not the Giants. Yeah, SF. Yeah, 49ers, yeah, right. look at that. Why didn't I notice that? This is the fourth time I'm looking at this thing. So technically, this is a San Francisco movie. I suppose. <laughs> All right, I got a full volume here in the studio. No, but it's really when... Is something something? Okay, you? I'm behind you. This sucks. The joke is, he pulls up and he's like, "Have you seen such and such?" And the guy goes, "No." And then he starts driving away, but he's right, like so stranded in the desert. What's your timestamp? Seven fifty-seven. I'm I'm not using my Facebook PlayStation Four today. Yeah. What's your timestamp now? Eight twelve. Thank you. I'm with you. Okay. Man. All right. So they're in the van. Right. Look at that Niners hat. Gold. Look at that gold rim in the back. That's so cool. 
I've never seen a hat like that. And I, trust me, you know, in San Francisco, everyone wears their sports colors. Everyone. Everyone wears yeah. their sports teams. Yeah. Stuff. Not everyone here, but we got a lot of that, too. Teams are a big, big deal. A big deal. How much do you think that sets you back, like, to, to be a faithful fan? Well, um, I guess it. around $250, let's say. Like, you have the yeah. jacket, you have the hat, you've got a pen, pen, pennant, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so look. Yeah. He picks up this guy, sort of saves him, picks him up. His name is Ryder. Turns out he's a cop. And unbeknownst to Mike, he's about to be in the middle of a shootout. What the fuck? Oh, right. He brought him in a ride, ride along. It's yeah, ironic because his name is Ryder, but he, he actually is the driver. <laughs> I guess so. Tag along. What was it? Ride along. Ride along. Ride along. Ride along. Oh. You remember Ice Cube? Kevin Shea? No, I Kevin Shea. Kevin Shea is a comedian I know. Oh, okay. Kevin Hart. Oh, I what 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 what? There was a movie called Ride Along where. Oh yes, I saw Ride Along. Okay, I saw no, Ride what... Along two. Yeah, right, right. This is Ride Along three. Ryder literally <laughs> Rider. takes him. I'll pick you up from the outback, but let's go. Uh... Okay. So the cop gets out of the car and he begins to fire at this crazy oh. militant. This is like Mad no, Maxi. No, he. Uh, well, it's that's just a coincidence. It's really they're not Mad Maxi. There's nothing okay. steampunk about them or whatever. A little steampunky. Well, because they're but but this is steampunk pump punk adapted this from. They just meant it as motorcycle riders. Oh, the goggles. Sometimes yeah. goggles are just goggles. Is what right, right. Aesthetic to it. They weren't going for steampunk. They were. Steampunk. Hey, I like I like your Harley Davidson uh, aesthetic. What are you talking about? I, I like your sports team aesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> he just coincidentally is wearing a. That's like me wearing like an no, Australian look, team. It's a clue. It's a clue. Yeah, it's great. Poison. It's poison. He's still going to burn it. He's going to burn this whole place because he's going to destroy the poison. You see, we don't know it yet, but uh, there's like some people who have been killing sheep, and he's a cop and he's investigating, but he's like an outback cop. So he just. That's the crime, poisoning sheep? Yes. It's got to be something like rival farmers or something, you see. You know, I know from watching Mad Max, gasoline, you can't really waste it like that in the outback. <laughs> this was shot in 1987, released, you know. Yeah. Now, it will deal with time travel, but most all of it is in 1987. Oh, to go back to that year, graduate college, high school, I mean. This is like a video store movie then. Well, yeah, this never made it onto DVD. This is a VHS copy we're watching. And later you'll see glitches. You see, they spent almost $700,000 on this film. And I think that's Australian dollars. But they only made like 10 grand of Australian dollars. Oh, what a bummer. Yeah, this was a, um, okay, here's Connie. And I instant messaged her on Facebook. We would be delighted if you would. We'll see if she bites. I hope so. Okay, so Connie knows Ryder, all right? 
And Connie keeps on referring to Mike as Blondie over here, you know, because he's some hitchhiker. He goes, right. my name's Mike. I, I'm Mike. Mike. No, I'm Mo my name. Mike. Connie Stanton. This is the Connie's home. That's a cool home. Yeah. Used to be now, Howard Johnson. Now, why is Mike with them? Because Mike has nowhere to go, and they know it. He's Does like, he have his surfboard with him, at least? Yeah, yeah. It's in the back of uh, right. Mike's, Mike's little Jeep here. So eventually, they're going to go to the diner. Yep, yep, yep. All right, I'm ready. Here, a couple well, of BS. Yeah, it's, um, what's the, tr Foster's. <laughs> there was an Australian comic at the Cove. I think his name's Eric Leiden, and uh -huh. he was making fun of it. We don't drink your we, we don't drink Foster's because we think it's shit. He goes, we drank Budweiser. <laughs> what you blokes think is shit. That's really funny. Yeah. So now they're, like, we're finding out, like, Connie and Ryder are great, great friends, and they work together a little bit. And, you know, he's a cop, and Mike is there for, um, you know, he's talking about surfing on the coast, and you know about surfing, and right now he's looking him up. But anyway. He looks like Robert Davi. By the way, he's totally bald. And because he wears the hat the whole time, I missed that the first time around. The second time I saw this film, his hat was off, and I was like, whoa, dude. Claire. <laughs> yeah, get a, get a, get a, a toupee or something, because wow, dude. That's so cruel. Do you think the crew is like, hey, can you put your hat on? I'm trying to light the scene. You see, this is 1987. If this was shot in 1997, then Ryder could have been bald. Just 100% shaven, and he right. would have looked cool like Bruce Maybe, Willis. Maybe he'll have a cool Australian goatee with a bald shave, or maybe a neck beard. Cool Australian neck yes. beard. Now, one thing I really liked about this film, he's like, Mike just coincidentally happens to know all sorts of stuff about engines, just because any Australian would, you know. Now, uh, Ryder's very suspicious of Mike, but Ryder's going to get his hand stuck in the machine, and Mike is going to save him. And that will be the first time that Ryder's like, maybe it explodes, yeah. all right. But on the other hand, maybe he's not. Yeah, the hand that didn't get stuck is still suspicious. <laughs> On one hand, I'm glad uh, Mike's here. On the other hand, who cares? Now, later, we'll have a call back to this scene. And when Good. he comes back, he'll say, mind your hand, mate. <laughs> and so he won't get his hand. No, I okay. don't have the volume hand on, stuff. and I've never seen this movie. But it looks like Mike did that intentionally. Uh, no. He turned he, it on. At, at the request of Ryder. He's fixing the uh, fixing is me truck won't work. That's what Connie was all talking about. So he saved him. Yeah. See what you have done. He it took me so that. long to figure out that song. I thought it was C period, C period rider, like some dude. I didn't realize oh. Elvis was telling the, the horseback rider. <laughs> <laughs> Elvis. Elvis. I had no idea it was Mrs. Cece. Cece, right. Right, Mrs. Cece. Why would anyone want a po poison sheep? Now, there's this whole thing about poisoning sheep. There he's bald. You see, how did I miss that the first time I ever watched it? Wow. Right, there he is, bald. On the cell phone game or something? 
You think you were on your cell phone at the time? I guess maybe because <laughs> I only ever saw him with the hat. You could see the reflection off the bottles of his head. Now, Connie and Mike clearly are attracted to each other. And Ryder doesn't like it, but not from jealousy. He's not interested in Connie. But he doesn't super not like it. It, like, irks him. And it'll never play out and develop into anything in the plot, although it's totally implied in this scene and a few more coming. Yeah. Like, when he was getting out of the car, he said to Mike, you moaned yourself around Connie, right? You know. Yeah, look at that eye. So, <laughs> right now, Connie's like, such and such. And he goes, Ryder goes, but you are going to help me tomorrow, Connie. You promised. And he goes, I'm very busy. But he goes, Mike can do it. Now he's paired up with Mike. But Mike did just rescue his hand. So he's like, all right. He trusts him a little bit. It's kind of weird how he's just fallen into their lives. They don't say, what are your plans? Now, he said, I've got this note. Here, turn it up. This okay. is when he's going to talk about it. By the way, are we doing a, a, a not a kill count, but a beer count? How many times they drink beer? Because it's the third time. It's her third beer. I'm doing a Connie beer count. Okay. It's her third beer in this movie. Yeah, so yes. Just, you can't really hear, can you? Oh, no, no. Because of their accents, I don't understand a word of it. Okay. Very funny. Okay, so audience. What happens here is he's really explaining the, the backstory of are we underwater? I'm, I'm playing it. <laughs> you, you think the video is the only thing muddled in this, in this copy? <laughs> okay, so <laughs> ah, fuck it. You oh, I'm know. sorry, man. He gets, I'm to... he gets it. It's just some funny stuff, but that's okay. We'll catch the next thing. What is you know your number count? Australian humor is like so dry to me. Like I could not understand the subtlety of Barry Humphreys. What is what is your time count? Okay. Eighteen fifty six. Okay. He's Great at deal. a fire and she's like See her uh, foot's in the she's having past life experiences. Is she really? Turn it up, turn it up. Okay. He's Cheryl, Grouchy. Well, the funny stuff is her, like, past life experience stuff. So we'll see it next. Okay, now they're in a room. The, her father passed away, and he was a cricketer. Cricketeer? Cricketer? This film. What? He was one of three cricketeers. The three cricketeers? Now, this film was originally titled The Cricketeer. Cricketeer. Because it was about a. Uh, the film started as a story about a mythical cricketeer in outback Australia. The Robert Redford film, The Natural, seems to have been the inspiration. Whoa. So it went from the natural ripoff to a time-traveling outback <laughs> adventure. Yeah, and the thing is, the, the script was pretty, the script is pretty tight. I don't know how they switched it up in the middle. They must have had all the 
time travel stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that was the the concept of this. So now Mike is bumping into a scrapbook in which we're going to learn this backstory that Ryder killed his son by mistake. He was playing a cricket game and he hit the the cricket ball hit him in his chest and he killed his own son by mistake. It was it was son slaughter. I can't believe he's reading it out loud. Well, you know, he, we are listening. So. And also, I can't believe Ryder has a scrapbook of the time he killed his baby with a cricket ball. Somehow, Connie is in Ryder's life. I don't get how. Maybe he's an uncle. So well, now there's flashback. Ryder. He's a tortured soul. He killed his own son. Now he's a rough and tough cop in the outback where nobody, you know, he doesn't know a lot of people, you know. Oh, a diner! Rock and roll. Wait, is this a flashback? No, this is the diner closing for the night. We were hearing a crowd oh. of diner people, a uh, bar people. Do you remember in the movie Easy Money, Joe Pesci and Rodney Dangerfield got so high that they had to eat something but not the wedding cake in the back of their van? They pull up to a diner and it, the lights go out and the diner says open 23 hours. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to see that film again because I remember loving it. Well, they wind up eating the wedding cake, of course. <laughs> Dingo! Dingo! That's did where he's Dingo... supposed to meet. He Did the Dingo kill his baby? Population 20. No, he killed the baby. Yeah, uh... that's what he... When he hits the kid with the baseball, and he goes, oh, uh, Dingo kill baby! Dingo! 